0: You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can follow along with the notes for this message and get better connected with our church by visiting church2911.com slash connect. This Sunday, we continue the beginning sermon series. Here's Pastor Rick with a sermon that's simply titled, Next.
1: Okay, so last week... Close with two verses that I want to get back to, and start use them as as kind of a kickoff here. Hebrews chapter eleven, verse six, tells us that we must have faith to please God. It is impossible to please God without faith. You got to have faith. Faith is the beginning. Okay, the the title of this sermon series, the beginning. Faith is how it all begins. Whether it's you know your salvation, you know, and believing in believing in God, you know, the, the faith that you have there. That's the beginning you, you, you can't even begin to believe God you can't even begin to follow him you can't even begin to accept salvation without faith. It all starts right there and what is this faith in? It's in Jesus Christ John. and this is uh, the New Living Translation, not the one I grew up memorizing, King James. Uh, John 3.16 says, For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. You need to remember this. Jesus Christ is the only one who died for you. There have been a lot of great teachers. There have been a lot of great leaders, a lot of, a lot of great holy men and holy women throughout history. But Jesus Christ is the only one who died for you. You may have a, a great mentors. You may have great leaders in your life. You may have a favorite minister that you just hang on every word, you're following everything he writes, you're listening to every sermon he preaches, but Jesus Christ is the only one who died for you. Don't ever forget that. That goes all the way back two weeks ago to our our Easter sermon, is that that, that's one of the things we talked about that makes Jesus different. What makes Jesus different than every other great leader that's ever lived? That's one of the things. If you missed that Easter sermon, go back to the podcast. Uh, you can find it there at the church website. Go to the podcast and listen to that. What makes Jesus different than anyone else? He's that and God. And so this is the faith we have in him. But it's because of this, because of his, uh, his gift of his life, because of his death. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18 says God saved you by his grace when you believed. There's that believe word again. You can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. It is because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ's life because he died on the cross that salvation is free. Free. And uh it means you can't earn it. That's, that's what it says right there. You can't take credit for this. You can't earn it. You can't do anything to buy it. And, and and you need to get this, okay, because I remember growing up, I heard salvation was free, but it seemed like there were a whole lot of other things they told me I needed and I had to do, right? And so I kind of got confused at times, and I thought, you know, my salvation was, right. no, no, listen, you need to get this. Salvation is free because Jesus died for your sin. You can be saved just through faith, through through, the, through grace, because because of grace, through faith in Christ, you can be you can be saved, and it doesn't cost anything else. Your salvation is free. But you know, kind of like you drive through the drive-through, you know, you go through and and you ask for a a hamburger and maybe a milkshake, and then what do they ask you? You want fries with that, right? You know, do you not want something else? Is that all you want, just a hamburger and you want something else? In the same way, salvation is free, but you want blessings with that? You want something else with that? There's so much more than just salvation. He doesn't just want to save your eternity. He wants, he wants to do something for you even right here, right now, today. God wants to give you blessings. So, what's next? You know what's next? Well, it's up to you. You decide what's next in your life. Okay, so a few weeks ago, uh, I, I happened to mention this kind of quickly, and I want to go back to it today. Uh, I'm sorry, Isaiah chapter 5. Uh, the first four verses, there's a parable there about a, a vineyard owner, someone who, who, who creates, builds, plants this vineyard. And, and, and in this, in this uh, parable, we're, we're obviously talking about God and what he did for Israel, but we can relate this to, uh, to our lives today in the New Testament as well. This is the Old Testament before Jesus, but we can relate this to what God has done for us as well. And in verse 4, it says, "What more could have, uh, what more could I have done for my vineyard that I have not already done? Okay, so the first three verses tell us all the things that the 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 one that owns the vineyard, what he has done. And verse four, what more could I have done? Now this is like if God were speaking over us saying, What more could I have done in your life? That I have not already done. Okay, so, so let's look at what did he do in those first three verses. Okay, well, the first thing he did is he had to break up the hard ground. And uh, we won't read the verses, but you can read them there. And if you go to the, uh, the Connect page, go to sermon notes, church2911.com connect, go to sermon notes. You can read, read the scripture right there. And, and there's a lot of extra content there this week as well that I don't have time to, to preach today. But the first thing he had to do was to break up the ground. And I've heard this all of my life that that's one of the things God has to do. It's kind, of, it's kind of like getting to us, really getting to us. He's got to break up that ground. you know. And, and, and it's so hard, it seems, to really get a seed or a message or an idea into somebody's heart or mind today because everybody, it seems like today more than any day, it, it's, it's any time, it seems like, we 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 have these walls up or we have you know this space you know May, maybe it's because I'm a pastor you know and I kind of get a little bit of that when I tell somebody I'm a pastor get a little bit of this you know and it is back up you know respect my space or whatever and I get a little of that you know and, and listen I know I'm talking mostly to Christians most of you sitting here you've already accepted Christ I know that but I, I know a lot of times what we do is, is is we let God break it up just enough to receive Jesus but then we still have our space you know we we still want to push back and we still don't open up but that, that's one of the things that God's got to do. One of the first things He's got to do is He's got to break through that hard ground. And, and sometimes that is, that's a very difficult thing for us. You know, maybe because we've been hurt in the past, maybe because, uh, you know, we, we have trust issues, you know, people haven't, haven't done right by us. And so we, we get this hard, crusty exterior. And so the first thing God has to do. It's just to break through the ground. Now, I, I, the second thing there is, this one kind of relates. I, I, I see this a lot in my life, in a very physical way, is that he had to clear away the debris. Now, I've done some, I've, I've done some land clearing before. I don't know if you ever cleared any land, uh, you know. And I'm doing a little bit of it right now, as a matter of fact. When when I was about 12, 13 years old, my dad and his brother bought three acres on the Warrior River. Now, when I say Warrior River, I don't mean this Warrior River. I mean up the Warrior River and up a creek and up a creek from that creek. I mean, it was like remote. You know, only thing out there were trees and critters. You know, you know what I mean. And so, yeah, you know, and I, I was I was little. I didn't have to do the bulk of the work, but I was involved in the work. And we cleared a lot and cut down a lot of trees, moved a lot of rocks. You know, dug a lot of dirt and all of that kind of stuff. Had to get, you had to get a lot of things out of the way that you didn't want right there, so you could get the stuff that you wanted. Right there. Do you understand? So for God to put in us the good stuff, he had to get rid of some bad stuff, some stuff that was out in the way. And, and listen, I'm not just, yeah, yeah let's, let's definitely mention sin here. If we've got sin in our life, God's got to clear that sin out. I, yes, I'm, but I'm not just talking about sin. I'm talking about other things as well. I, I'm, I'm talking about scars, hurts. You know, your history, your past, things that people have done to you, the, the things that created that hard, crusty exterior that God had to break through. He needs to still maybe get rid of some of that stuff that, that, that is holding you back from really being able to receive. And so he starts moving that stuff. But it's not just bad stuff. A lot of times it's also good stuff. You know, this reminds me of Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah, uh, Israel had been destroyed. And years later, Nehemiah led an expedition back to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. You know the first thing they had to do is they had to remove the debris of the old wall before they could start building a new wall. And the debris of the old wall, the old wall was a good thing, right? I mean, it was not a bad wall. It was a good wall. But now it was debris and it was in the way of a new wall. And so before they could get Something, but they had to remove something that used to be good. Come on, somebody! They had to remove something that used to be good, but that now was just in the way. And, and so God had to do that with us as well. And so, so he, he has to break up this ground, this crustiness, this this hard shell that sometimes we we put up and we don't let people in. You know, that we've already got it. For, and then he then he has to move this debris. You know, and sometimes it's sometimes it's you know there's something that over the last um, last few weeks. I ran across a phrase, I, I don 't know why. You, you ever hear something 200 times, and then one day you hear it, and it clicks or the lights come on. it's like, whoa, wait a minute. What? And then you start thinking, that's the way this, this one little phrase has been. And, and at first it was something that, that, you know, that I, I originally thought, you know, it was for us, as Christians and us people trying to reach out to the unchurched,? You know. And then I thought, you know it's also for them and the way they look at us and, and something. Here, and here's the phrase is this: It is the curse of knowledge." The curse of knowledge. Do you know you can be cursed by knowledge? Because you can know something that isn't exactly right. Or you can, you can gather and glean all kinds of spiritual knowledge without direction from God and just be off just enough that it curses you from actually being able to learn what you need to really learn. And so some of us, we need God to remove that kind of debris in our life. We need to get rid of the curse. I mean, you, nobody here knows anybody like that, right? Y'all don't know anybody that knows it all, right? Y'all don't know anybody that knows everything and you can't tell them anything? Nobody knows anybody like that? Now the first service, okay, now it's starting to happen. Okay, people are starting to look at their spouses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know, I know, it's not your spouse that's the know-it-all, right? You're, you're reminding them of somebody else in the family, okay? Right, that's what it is, right? You're not really just pointing at them, right? But we, it, it can be lots of things. And so God breaks down to get inside, he starts removing all that stuff. And now you know where we're at? We're finally at the place where we can accept Christ. You see, you, you don't realize how much work God has done just to get you to the place where he breaks through that hardness of who you are and all, the, all that you have holding up against him. And he just now gets there. And, and, and then and then also removing all that debris where you can finally say, yes, God. Yes, God. And So what does he do? The third thing is he plants a good vine. He plants a good vine. And and if if you look there back in Isaiah chapter 5, you can see it. That's what it says, he plants a good vine. Well, this is Old Testament, New Testament. John 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine. He says, he is the true vine. And so what vine, you know, if we're talking, if we're relating this to the New Testament, what are we talking about? Then he puts the vine. Jesus Christ, it's like he puts him inside of us. He plants this new vine, Jesus Christ, he plants inside of us. He's had to go to all this work just to get us to the place of salvation. And how do we get there? We get there just by saying, thank you, God. We just get there by saying, I believe, Jesus, you are exactly who you say you are, but God has done a whole lot of work just to get us to the place of where now we can say, okay, I accept Jesus as my Savior. And now we get there, and we've got this awesome vine inside of us and he goes on and i believe it's actually verse one where he says i am the vine i'm the true vine and you are the branches and so and so we we're now grafted in and we we can now begin to produce fruit but man he's done all this work we haven't got to the fruit yet man we're just now getting the vine in aren't we we just now get into the place of salvation but we're also not finished now, see i think that's what a lot of us do is also is is we we think okay we're christians that's it no that's not it what's next? What's next? It's up to you. You decide. So, so, what, so what does he do after that? He builds a watchtower. He builds a tower. Now listen, I'm, I'm, I'm not a vineyard owner. I don't know. I, just a few things that I know about it. He built a vineyard tower, a tower, a watchtower over his vineyard so that he could, he could watch. He could look for, maybe he could look for fire over in that area. Maybe he could look for trouble over here. Maybe he could look for you know foxes uh, that, are, that are destroying the vine over there or some other kind of trouble. Or maybe he could look where, well, the, the, vine, the, the vine looks a little brown over there. It's not taken good care of. And so he looks at it because he has care over the vineyard. Now, it wouldn't be very smart for him to go to the trouble of building the tower and watching over his vineyard and seeing trouble and not telling somebody about it, right? I mean, that'd be kind of foolish, to to, to see a fire and not to sound the alarm that, hey, there's a fire, and get everybody out there. It would be kind of foolish to, to go to the trouble of building the tower and seeing trouble and not telling somebody. And you know what? It would also be foolish for us, for us to know, as we relate this now to God and what he's done in our life, to realize that he has built this tower. He is watching over us. He is seeing things in our life. He knows what's happening. It would be foolish for us then to not listen to what he is saying. You know, and, and I don't, you know what we do though? I mean, I, I, I believe we probably all do this a little bit. I've done it in my life. Is that we don't listen to God, you know, when he first sees a problem. It's like we start smelling the smoke. <laughs> something, something's not right. God, God, what's wrong? God, do you see something wrong in my life? You see, it's like we wait till the smoke. We already, we smell something. We wait till we see something. We don't realize, you know, and I know what happens. I know God tells me sometimes. It's like, I finally smell the smoke, or I finally see some problem, and I say, God, what's wrong? And God says, I've been trying to tell you about that for months. You know, and he knows, and he sees that. Come on, we, we need to start realizing that God, he didn't build a tower just, you know, as he says in this. He didn't just build a tower for his health. He did it so he could have care over this vineyard. And and this is what God has done for us, is is he has care over us. He's looking, he's watching, he's anxious about making sure. And so we need to be asking, God, is is there a place that's burning? Is is there a place that's unhealthy? Do you see a place, God, that that isn't going to produce fruit, something that's not right with with my vine, my part of the vine, my life? Is there any place? And start asking God for that. And, And then lastly, he carved a receptacle. Okay, now... That sounds weird to say it that way, but that's kind of what he did. did if If you read Isaiah, what he did is like in the rock, he like carved this big vat area where they would squish out the grapes, get the juice out. Now, I can't think about this without seeing a picture of Lucille Ball and I Love Lucy and the so some of y'all have seen the episode, right? You know what I'm talking about. You know, we're just squishing the grapes out. And listen, if that's the way they do it, that's just another reason why it's not a good idea to drink wine. I just, uh, you know, if that's the way, they still do it, okay? But so, so squishing out the grapes, squishing out the grapes, getting the juice out of the grapes, you know, this, you know the good stuff that is there so we can, you know, you can drink of the, of the fruit of the vine and all that. And so what, what's the correlation here? Look. God has created you as a receptacle of the blessings of God. You know, He doesn't just pour out the blessings and they kind of run all over you and then they're gone. I mean, man, I think, I think in a lot of ways, that's the way a lot of us have looked at the blessings of God. is He just kind of pours it out on us. We feel good on Sunday. We go home. That's it. No, he created you to be a receptacle. Even, even, even like uh, in Psalm 23, when, when uh, David was talking about it, he said, God poured out more on me than I could hold. How did he say it, though? He said, my cup runs over. It's like I'm a, I'm a receptacle. I'm a cup. But there's so much. There's so much that is going on in it that 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 there's more that he can give that I can actually even hold. There's, so can we take just a moment, if we can? Uh, I think uh, Pop's here is having a little issue. We want to get take care of him, make sure he gets out okay. He's good. He's walking. If if, if you couldn't see around there, just. I get an, I got an OK sign from a from a, from a healthcare person. So I, I think we I think it was a healthcare person. <laughs> okay, so so even David says he says he's created me as a receptacle. I'm a cup, and God pours into me His blessings. But He pours into. So- Why does God give us more than we can hold? Because there's people around us that need some, right? Or, or, or like if it splashes out, there's people around us that aren't even following God, and they need just a taste of Him, don't they? And so if God can pour it out on me and so much that I can't hold, it'll just splash out on somebody, and somebody else gets a blessing. Somebody else receives something from Him, you know? And so God does that. But He creates us to be a receptacle of His blessings. It's like He made you to be able to receive His blessings. You understand what He's done? It's not just that he's prepared all this around you. He made you into a vessel, a vehicle of some kind to receive his blessing. And if he's done that, that means he wants to give you that blessing. So what's next? It's up to you. Because God says, what more could I have done for my vineyard? What more could God have done for me than he's already done? He's saying, I have done everything else. Everything, all of it. Now it's up to you. I've got the receptacle. And you know, and, and if I stand there and you know, God starts pouring into the gra- I I gotta get over in the vat and I gotta start stomping I got I got a little something to do. I've got a little something to do because he's done everything. What more could God have done for Rick Han than he's already done? Make that personal. Say it to you. What more could Jesus have done for me that he hasn't already done? He has done everything, he's taken care of everything. He, 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 I mean, he plowed up the ground, he cleared the debris just to get me to the place to be saved. But now he started watching over me and giving me direction. And, 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 he, and, he's, and he's made me into a receptacle to receive his blessing. Now it's up to me. He's done all of this. He's did all this just to get me saved. Now he's done this so I can receive his blessing. So I can receive his blessing of wisdom. I can receive his blessing of, of his foreknowledge, of how he can look and he can see stuff that's going on that I don't see in my life and how I can receive all these blessings. And he's done all that. So now it's up to me. What's next? It's up to me. Okay, so that, that second verse that I ended with last week is Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up, there's that word blessing again. We'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give. So they're blessings, and we're receptacles, and the blessings are going to come. They're going to come. And how many bless? One blessing? Well, it is. It is uh, singular, isn't it? But it's singular, but it's got the modifier before it, right? A harvest of blessing. Now, I, I, I was originally kind of thinking of, you know, back in, you know, back, you know, centuries ago when they would harvest, you know, crops. And I was thinking about how, you know, just seeing the harvest that was there. But but then I got to thinking this morning about, you know, modern harvesting, you know, and the combines that are out in the fields. You ever seen pictures of those? They got a combine going through the field, you know, it's harvesting stuff and it's just throwing. And they've got trucks following along behind it because it's filling up trucks faster, faster than they can drive away. So it's got trucks going along behind it ready to receive all these this is what God is talking about you know as much as you can imagine these are the, har- the harvest of blessings that God wants to put into our life that he can offer to us and I know what some of you think and you're thinking well that's not happening in my life I, there's not a harvest of blessings coming in my life why is that well there, there's a clue right here in this verse right keep doing now, uh, Maybe we don't like that word, doing, doing. But you know, we, again, we sometimes hear salvation is free. Oh, great, salvation, now what else do I get? But there's some doing to be done. There's something else. I mean, if you want that blessing, you know, salvation is free, but you want a blessing with that? There's something to do, okay? There's something, keep doing, because if you keep doing, There's a harvest of blessing if we don't give up, but we keep doing, but we keep doing. Okay, so how do we? What is it that we do? How do we figure out what to do? Okay, let me give you just a few little tips right here. And trying to uh, wrap this sermon up in just just a few minutes, about ten minutes, I'm gonna try to wrap this up. Let Let me try to give you these tips real quick if I can. Okay, just a few little things. And here's the first one. All right, pray, pray. Now, does that that sounds like a duh, right? But you, you wouldn't believe the number of Christians who come to me with a problem, and I say, well, have you prayed about it? And so, well, well, no, that's why I came to you. You came to me to pray for you? you know, you pray, okay? You pray. Now, James, James was uh, one of the disciples, and, uh, and he wrote this after Christ's death and resurrection. He wrote this, and he says, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Right, now these people they didn't have what they wanted, and they were they were beginning to argue in the church, beginning to argue with one another. And, and he said, "You're arguing, you're quarreling, all that. But the reason you don't have what you want is you haven't even asked God for it." And you know this is this is the thing you need to get, okay? That that you've not yet. But this is what you need to get. Who was James writing to? If you go back to the very first verse of the letter, James one one, what you will find out he was writing to Jews that had that had started following Christ. He was talking to Christians. And he said, you Christians, you don't have what you need or want because you haven't even asked God for it yet. I mean, you know, people come to me and they, they've got the problem. So would you ask God for it? No, and listen, what, what, is you, what is it you need today? Tell God about it. You, you need a financial blessing? Tell God about it. You need, you, you need a better job? Tell God about it. You got problems in your family? Man, we, we all have problems in our families every once in a while, Right. I mean, everybody, every, listen, there, there are no perfect families out there because they're full of people and people have problems, okay? Dave one of her favorite shows uh, of all kinds, one of her favorite sit- sitcoms is Designing Women. Yeah, I don't know if you know Designing Women or not. It started coming on again a few months ago and so she now records it. So we get to watch, yeah, I get, that's we, not her. We get to watch a couple episodes every day. <laughs> Seems like, you know, maybe we'll get behind a little bit. But one of, one of my favorite lines is, in this series is from uh, Julia Sugarbaker and so they're talking about crazy people and she said, she, she's telling this other day, she said, hey, this, this is the South and in the South, people don't ask, do you have crazy people in your family? They ask, which side are they on? She said, and in the South, we don't hide our crazy people up in the attic. We bring them right down here to just parade them around in front of everybody, you know. And I personally, the reason I think we do that is because we're really not sure if they're the crazy ones or if we are, you know. So we don't want to be the ones stuck in the attic. So we just we just kind of accept that everybody's got crazy people, right? We've all got problems. But you know you've got problems in your family you know maybe you've got problems with your in-laws maybe you've got problems with your kids behavior or something like have you prayed about it you know tell me about your prayer life with this thing you know have you asked God for it I don't know why my finances are working I don't know why I don't know why you know this, this situation trying to get this house or this whatever have you asked God about it Come on, lay it out there. This past Friday, okay, was, I'm not even going to tell you what it was. I, I, there was this little bitty little thing I needed, and, you know, and I was beating my head against the wall, trying to make something, and it wouldn't work, wouldn't work. You know what, all of a sudden I thought, I'm going to ask God about this. And I said, God, and I, I was serious, and it was a little bitty small thing. Nobody was dying of cancer or anything like that, you know. And, 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 I, and I said, God, I, and I asked him for it. You know what, in 20 minutes it was worked out. You know, now here's, here's, here's one of the things I believe about this, is because I prayed and then it happened 20 minutes later, I'd been beating my head against the wall trying to make it happen, and when I prayed then it happened, then I could say, thank you God, because I prayed and you did it. You see, until I prayed, he wouldn't get any credit for it because I didn't know if it might be luck, you know, or just, you know, just happenstance, it just kinda happened, it all worked out. But when I prayed and said, God, I need your help, and then he shows up, now he gets credit for it. I believe that is one of the reasons he wants us to pray. So, if you've got a problem, take it to God. Tell Him what your problem is. Tell Him what you need and begin. I believe you'll begin to see God start working your situation because now those little bitty things, like that little thing I had on Friday, those little things, man, they just they just kind of whet your appetite to pray a little bit more. They just make you think, hey, if God can do that, I believe He can do this, and start asking Him for more and more and to see what He and then you not just have faith for little things, but you can start having faith for big things and faith for other people and faith for prayers that nobody even imagined God could actually meet if you start. So, 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 how's your prayer life? Okay, so let me go on. Um, I was going to do this quick. I'm not doing it very quick, though. Let me go on to this one. Is give and receive, right? Is that my next one? Right, right. Yes, yes. Give and receive. Connect these two. You know why? Receiving is connected with giving. Now, I know that's not the way the world, our culture, tells you, you know, because the world says, you know, what, what they used to say, get all, your can- get all you can and can all you get, <laughs> right? That's the way the world says it. But that's not God's way. Jesus' gospel is an upside down gospel. You know, because pray for your enemies. Pray for those who despitefully use you. The first will be last, the last will be first. Give, and it shall be given to you. Jesus' gospel is an upside down gospel. We we think the way we get ahead is by gathering everything we can. But the way we get ahead is by giving everything. That God flows through us, that that we can possibly give out. Luke chapter six, verse thirty-eight: Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full press down shake them together to make room for more running over and poured into your lap the amount you give will determine the amount you get back okay so so now earlier in Isaiah we were talking about this this receptacle this big vat of crushing the grapes and getting the juice the, the blessing out of it and then in psalm 23 we see David talking about you know I, I I'm this cup and I'm this this is the cup is the receptacle that I'm receiving I'm receiving more than I could hold and now now here we're, we're talking about the receptacle is my lap. You know, it's like I'm sitting down, and God's saying, "And when you give, I'm going to give back to you so much that you can't even hold it in your lap." I, I, you know, I see an old lady with a with a, an apron. You know, she's sitting down, and, and you know somebody's dumping it in her lap, and she's trying to hold everything she can, raising up the sides of the apron. And God says, "I'm pouring more into your lap than you will be able to hold." So again, and again, again, what's He talking? He shows us that that He gives us the ability not just to not just to see these things come through our life, but to actually hold these things. But He is going to give us more than we can actually even hold okay and and and, you know i and i always think about this that that press down shaking together to make room for more every time i I read this scripture i always think about when i was a kid my mom would ask me to take the trash out you know and you know what you do right you go to the trash can and you you know see if i can buy one more day you know press it down just a little bit more that's what god says he wants to do with your blessings i want to press this down into you and make room for some more and press it down some more and make room for some more and press it down for some more I want, to, I want to do it, do it, do it, and, and, and I know here's what we here, here's, here's the place most people stumble at this give and receive. But I don't have anything to give. Does it say how much to give? Does it say give and you will receive? No, it doesn't say how much. Just give. Every one of us can't give something. We are not poor people. In, in this part of the world, we are not, we can all give something. So if you, if you don't have a dime in your pocket, you can skip a meal tomorrow and take that $5 and give it to somebody that needs it and buy a meal for somebody. We all have something we can give. A few years ago, I preached a message, and I don't even remember what I titled the message, but I, I talked a lot about corn in that message, and, and you know, a kernel of corn, like one little kernel, like on a cob, you take that one little kernel off, or if you like whole kernel of corn, just take one out of the bowl, you know, whatever. That's a seed. You know, that's a seed. And let me tell you this. Here's one of the problems that people have. You see, that's a seed. One of the reasons we can't receive a harvest is we consume all the seed, When you consume all the seed, there's nothing left to plant. There's nothing left to put in, okay? But if you take that one little kernel of corn and you stick it in the ground, you get a stalk of corn, right? And on that corn stalk, you could have one, two, three, or four probably ears of corn. So let's just say two. You get two ears of corn on that stalk. You know, according to what kind of corn it is, that kind of thing. So, say you just get two ears of corn. On, on those two ears, how many, how many kernels do you think? Well, some, some, kernel, some uh, ears of corn have 400, some have up to 1,500. So a good average of say, 800, okay, just a little conservatively. So you know what that means? That means the potential that is in that little bitty kernel of corn when it is given into the earth is to produce 1,600 kernels of corn. That's first generation. You know what happens second generation? You take those 1,600 kernels of corn that you've got now and you stick them in the ground. You take one, you put it in the ground, you get 1,600 kernels of corn on two ears of corn. You know, But you put those 1,600 back, anybody know what 1,600 times 1,600 is? In the second generation, that little kernel of corn has now turned into over 2.5 million kernels of corn. And I didn't even take the time to multiply what 2.5 million times 1,600 is. But see, the potential that is in that gift, it, it doesn't have really anything to do with the person that is putting it in there. It is the power. Pa- Power that God has put. You see, and that, that's what. Uh, th- go on to my next next scripture. That's what I like here in Galatians chapter six verse seven. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. You see, God put this law of giving and and, and receiving of sowing and reaping. He put it in everything, and he put it in plants. He put it in, put it in agriculture. He put it in farming, so that we would understand it. Now, so now we can understand that when I give, I can receive, and and, and the power of the giving, the power of the of the harvest is not Based on you know, my giving as much as it is in what God has put as the potential. And if the potential of a little kernel of corn in two generations is two and a half million kernels of corn, then what can God do with my little bit that I want to give? So, so instead, of, instead of saying, well, what little bit I can, I can do is not going to be enough, just do what you can do and let, let's start seeing God do the amazing that He wants to do through us. God is not, see, uh, be not deceived, God is not mocked, a man reaps what he sows. Let let me, I got to hurry. So let me take you to just a few verses of scripture. Just wrap this up. Three little slides real quick. Just to wrap this up for you to see. Okay. And this is uh, uh, Matthew chapter six, verse 25 through 33. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Don't, don't worry about everyday life, whatever you, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant. They don't harvest. They don't store food in barns because your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? So so don't worry. Don't worry about stuff. Why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the peel and how they grow. They don't work. They don't make their clothing. But Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as these lilies are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers, the wildflowers that are here today and tomorrow they're thrown into the fire, then God will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying what we eat, what we drink, what we wear. Stop worrying about that kind of stuff. Don't worry about that kind of stuff. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. He knows your grocery needs. He knows your rent needs. He knows your car payment needs. He knows your clothing needs. God already knows all of your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Seek the kingdom of God and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So, this is where the giving, the sowing begins is right here. Seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, living righteously. This is where it begins. And when you start seeking this, then that's when you start finding and you start understanding the places to sow and the places to give and the right things to do so that you don't kind of refill that field with a lot of debris after God's cleaned it out, that God give, God keeps giving you the blessings and, and you don't keep filling it with debris to clog up those blessings. So, here, so here's what I want you to do. I don't have time. I, didn't, I knew I didn't have time to preach this last little bit, so I stuck it on the. I stuck it on the end of the, uh, the sermon notes. Church 2911com slash connect. Go to the sermon notes at the very bottom. Is um, is it, two things. It talks a little bit there about the kingdom of God seeking the kingdom, what that means, and it also talks about righteousness. What does that mean? What does it mean to seek righteousness? What does it mean to seek the kingdom of God? What does it mean to seek righteousness? don't have time to preach all that to you today. don't have time to preach it. So I'll put it right there. And I want to ask you to go there. I want to ask you, because here's here's the question. It's what's next? What's next in your life? Can I tell you? It's up to you. You decide. You know, you want to just take this a little bit and go home with it? Or do you want to go? Do you want to go to everything that God has for you? Then I, I, I challenge you. I dare you to go and take this little bit, let it be. Have some homework this week. This little bit of homework. Don't 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 just be satisfied with this little bit that I can give you on a Sunday morning. I said, I didn't plan to say this, but I said at the end of the first service this morning, I said, you know, this 30 minutes that I give you, it's not enough. And I can preach for an hour. I said, n- nobody said amen. I was expecting some people to say, oh, yeah, he can. But then I figured, yeah, you probably thought if you said amen, that would be permission to go ahead and preach for an hour, right? So you, nobody said amen. I could preach for an hour, but an hour still wouldn't be enough. You've got to do this. I can't do it for you. My fourth grade teacher, Miss Hallman, got married during while I was in her class and became Miss Goodwin. Miss Hallman, she used to say, we'd come in, she'd, she'd say, I wish I could just unscrew all of your heads and pour everything in and put and screw your head back on and and send you back home you know, and you'd, you'd have it all. But you couldn't do that. You know what, I can't do that either. That's not what we're doing here today. I'm not, we're not unscrewing your heads and pouring the stuff in so that you can, this is just, this is just supposed to be the beginning. Sunday morning, this 30 minutes, 35 minutes in the word is just supposed to be the beginning. Just to challenge you, just to excite you that, wait, there's a harvest of blessings waiting for me? Yeah, so what's next? It's up to you, choose it, decide. And I, I, I dare you to go. I dare you to go to those notes at the end of the, at the end of the sermon online sermon notes. I dare you to go there and just see what God would speak to you today.
0: You've been listening to the Church 2911 Sermons podcast. If you have a prayer need, our prayer team and pastoral staff would love to pray with you. You can send us your prayer request by using the email address prayer at church 2911com If you would like to know more about our church, including information about our weekly services, please check out church2911.com. Thank you for listening. We hope you know that God has an amazing dream for you. And as always, we dare you to dream.